Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make an income while traveling the world. And on today's episode, we have Alice TK herself live on the show. And uh, she's actually originally from uh, the UK, but she's been traveling the world and documenting her adventures and inspiring other solo female travelers to get on the road and to travel more. Uh, so looking forward to connecting with Alice and finding out more about her travels, about her blog, and how she generates income as she's traveling. So Alice, uh, you know, uh, why don't we get to know you a little bit better if you want to share a little bit more about yourself to start the show. Okay, awesome. Um, so I've been traveling for around about seven years. Um, but the book, I'd say, um, it was just a natural progression, really. Like, I've always been very passionate about um, being a solo female traveler and really, like, pushing yourself as a woman to, like, achieve your full potential so the blog just kind of came about from that really and um yeah since then it's just been like a constant progression in trying to challenge myself more and more and more i don't, I don't god knows where we're going to end but um yeah i'm just always trying to like up the ante a little bit you know <laughs> so uh, i would love to start off with hearing about some of your travels so which uh you left the uk and you've been traveling around the world uh which countries and continents have you visited so far um right well it's okay i was going quite a slow traveler so i and i was there straight up for two and a half years and then i was like okay i'm really really ready to like go on the road so from there i did um japan thailand cambodia vietnam the kind of you know general asia kind of trek um, and then I lived in China for two and a half years and then things got a little bit more challenging. So I spent time in Bangladesh um, and then I decided to do the Mongol rally. I don't know if you know about it, but you drive from the UK to Mongolia in two months. And I did like 21 countries in two months. It was just crazy. Like <laughs> we just did, um, we did the Southern route, you know, so we went through Iran and like all of the stands and stuff. and. It, it was amazing, but obviously it was very challenging and um, it was too fast. It was so fast. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah, it was crazy. So. <laughs> um, I have, uh, I've actually heard of it. Uh, you know, I haven't taken part in it myself, but uh, you know, it's obviously one of the big rallies. Um, nowadays it seems to be a trend. Uh, there's the rickshaw race, I think across India, the Mongol rally, yeah. and there's a few other ones like that. Uh, so walk us through uh what made you actually um how did you find out about it and what made you actually go from finding out about it to, to actually doing it okay um I, oh, I don't know if it's really a blessing or a curse but i'm kind of like the female version of yes man <laughs> so if someone just says to me you know do you want to do that like i just kind of take life as like an endless door of opportunities so it was like a friend for a friend for a friend, you know, that was doing it. And um, I think my friend recommended me to this already established team of women that were going to do it. And they just said, do you want to do it? And I was like, yes, <laughs> I, would, I would love to do that. So it was kind of crazy because we did kind of a lot. It's like pretty much every week or every two weeks but i didn't meet some of those women until the beginning of the race i literally met them on the day so um it was you know it was 
in, in the sense that we had to get to Mongolia, but we also had to, you know, learn who each other was and how to work together as a team. So it was a bit of a double whammy challenge, but it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. And um, yeah, I when I when I got to the finish line, I was literally like <laughs> I was dying. I actually ended up in hospital for two weeks in Russia um when we got to the finish line because i was just so sick um i think it was like a mixture of food and like just being on the road that long but um yeah when i when i got out of hospital it took me about six months to kind of recover from that rally but even now i'm thinking about doing it again it's just it's highly addictive it's crazy and adventurous but it's also highly addictive so <laughs> we'll see we'll see what happens yeah well, what an amazing journey, and I'm glad uh, you came out safe, even though you had to uh, spend a couple of weeks in the hospital. I'm, uh, uh, yeah, and now you have a story to tell, obviously. Yes, definitely. Yeah, it's it's like that lasts for a lifetime. That that experience is never going away. So. <laughs> so uh, you know, uh, nowadays, like I mentioned, a lot of people are into those kind of adventure rallies because the boring, typical sightseeing is isn't enough for most people nowadays. So. Uh, if people wanted to do something like the Mongol Rally, any tips or advice that you wish someone had told you before you started? Oh man, um, I've got. I think I've got a ton on that. Really, I think, I think whatever you do expect, it's it just won't happen. Um, I think within yourself, you need to be incredibly patient, flexible, and just open-minded. I mean, that goes with any kind of traveling, right? But especially in this, like you are going to be tested to the limits. So um, when I first started the the reasons that I might quit was like the car breakdown or um, we ran out of money or, you know, something like this. But actually, on the rally were psychological because I think I think at the start of the rally, there were 220 teams that started and only around 50 made it. And a lot of the reasons why people quit was mentally. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a physical kind of technical problem stuff. It was just mentally, because it is really hard. So just be prepared, be prepared to, you know, um, look after your mind just as much as your body and your car. <laughs> yeah, definitely the inner game yeah. is more important than the outer game. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So that was one of your big epic adventures, obviously, uh, you know, uh, covering that breadth of the, uh, you know, multiple countries over, uh, you know, the, how long is it again, sorry? Oh, the rally, or how long have I been on the road? The rally, rally. Oh, the rally, okay, so you, basically, the finish line starts packing up at a certain point, so I would recommend to do it in, like, two to three months. Because after, yeah, after like the two and a half, three month mark, they, like the finish line is not there anymore. It is gone. So it's very fast. It's very fast. Yeah. So uh, besides the Mongol rally, tell us about some of your amazing adventures, uh, you know, uh, globe prodding around the world. Anything else? I mean, obviously that one is kind of the top of the bill there. Anything else that stands out for you in terms of sightseeing or countries? Um, Bangladesh definitely stands out as like one of my top countries and one of the most exciting challenging experiences i've had as a woman um i i just i love it there i love it there so much and i think the reason that i personally loved it was because because of the challenge and just that um 
still not many solo women go there. I think like in my whole journey there, I was there for a month and I saw I saw four foreigners um, and uh, two were a family. I, I didn't see, uh, I didn't actually, oh, I did see one other solo female traveler, yes. Um, but it was just great because it's still like, it's still off the be beaten track. It is changing because it, it was two years ago that I went there, but um, it's just off of the beaten track. And that, that's a pleasure, you know, that you're kind of going places that that still aren't really discovered. And I mean, in, t in terms of what to see in Bangladesh, like I think there's actually a lot that people don't realize. Like it has one of the longest beaches in the world, beautiful tigers in one of the largest mangroves in the world um and capital city whoa i mean if you if you want to test yourself like you've got to go there because <laughs> it's just i think people love dhaka or they just absolutely hate it because it it's crazy it's incredibly crazy but i i, I loved it it was just the whole experience was just brilliant it was great yeah. Um, I actually went to Bangladesh in my 20s as a backpacker. I went actually from uh, Calcutta uh, into Bangladesh and I went uh, overland through Bangladesh and uh, went back up to India and I actually loved it as well. The people are so, so, so friendly and welcoming and hospitable. I think partially because they don't get many tourists. Uh, and I, I actually think there weren't many tourists when I was there too. I don't remember seeing many backpackers or, you know, like, uh, obviously, not many solo female travelers, or just backpackers or travelers in general. Uh, so yeah, I can relate to your sentiments. And yeah, like you said, Dhaka is definitely a, a crazy, um, you know, a chaotic city. I can still, you know, uh, when I think of Dhaka, I have to close my ears <laughs> because of all the beep, 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 yeah. pretty much for. Twenty-four hours, seven days a week, uh, with the little mini—they um, call it tuk-tuks or auto rickshaws—and pretty much throughout the city, it's madness. Uh, but it's—it's uh, it's amazing madness because it's—it's um, very interesting as a visitor. I don't think I could ever live in Dhaka, uh, but as a visitor, I was good. With I was good. <laughs> yeah, I actually went through Kolkata the same as you. Like, and I, I, so I actually flew, uh, flew to Kolkata straight away. So that's the only part that I've seen of India so far. And I loved it. I loved it in Kolkata a bit. I can't, I can't wait to see more. Yeah, I really can't wait to see more. It's just, I'm, I can imagine that I need nine lives to see India. You know, and I'm just like, oh, I just want to, I just want to like live again and again and again so I can explore all of India. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely India stands out, but uh, pretty much every country in the world, I feel that too. I, uh, um, you know, like right now we're traveling and we only have like a month per country. So it's not like super fast, but it's not super slow. It's like kind of in the middle. So we're like, oh, I wish I had more time in this country. I wish I had more time in this country. So I definitely need, uh, you know, a, li a few lifetimes to see this world as well. Um, you know, Alice, I'm curious to know about your blog. It's called Tea Cake Travels. Uh, so tell us a little bit about uh, the origin story, especially the name, I think probably that's the number one question you have. Uh, where did you come up with the name? So I'm going to ask that question too. Uh, but tell me, tell us about the name and also the purpose of the blog. Why did you start it? Okay. Um, what should we start with first? Um, okay, the name. So people who don't know me probably think that I'm a food blog, but <laughs> this is actually like completely not the case. So Tea Cake is just my nickname and um, it's when I first started traveling in South Korea. I was working there teaching English and um, it just so happened that when I kind of turned up, there was a ton of Americans there, but there was hardly any 
British. All my friends kind of started to joke around me and just call me tea cake because it's just so British, right? <laughs> I just, I love tea, I love cake. They just called me tea cake and it just kind of stuck. And um, when I started my blog, I kind of, I did it with passion. Like I didn't really think of it as a brand or, you know, a business. So to me, it was simple. I was like, it's TK Travels. That's what it is. Um, but yeah, from a branding point of view, people are like, do you like cake? Do you, do you write about cakes or something? But it's not that at all. Um, and the reason, the reason I started the blog, I kind of, I always liked English at school and stuff like that. But I actually studied psychology. I, I, was, I was a psychologist for a good number of years. I didn't start traveling until I was 25. Um, and I always thought oh, I, I would like to write some stories, but I, I never acted on it, to be honest. It was when I was in China teaching English that my friend was like, can you write an article about teaching English in China for me on my blog? I was like, um, yeah, sure, you know, prob no problem. And the minute I did it, she was like, what's your blog? I was like, uh, <laughs> I don't know, I, I don't have a blog, you know? And that was it, I purely made the blog just so that she could link back with this article. And then I was hooked, like immediately. Like it was like fever, you know, like travel blog fever. I, I kind of made myself sick because I just, I just a minute the minute I finished my job I started like working on the blog because I just got so addicted to it it's like a new computer game for me you know and um, I just like working on it and working on it and yeah I worked on it too much to begin with it was um, a bit crazy so <laughs> and I started on wordpress.com do you know what I mean I, I didn't even have any idea about how to set up a blog you know obviously I changed to wordpress.org but I had no idea in the beginning <laughs> Well, here you are now. You've uh, you've actually built it up as a really successful brand, even though it started kind of uh, on a whim. Uh, but now it's uh, you know I love the logo, by the way. Uh, you flying around the world on a tea cake, so really creative logo. Uh, tell us about uh, the major themes and topic. Uh, obviously, uh, travel is the big one, and then solo female travel. But within those two kind of hierarchy, uh, what are the topics you write about regarding solo female travel? Um, I would I would say that TK Travels is just a reflection of my personality. So it really focuses on women empowerment, um, and I guess it stems from my psychology background. Like a lot of the writing is just observational, very inspirational. Um, I just kind of want to pass on my knowledge to about going on the road, or even who have been on the road as well. You know, we all kind of sometimes need pet talks. So. Yeah, it's very motivational and encouraging. Kind of, I got a lot of love. I got a lot of love and uh, respect and, and stories to tell. And I just really want women to feel encouraged to go out and do stuff if they want to. You know, it's not for everybody, but um, I really hope that it does do some good. That's my goal. <laughs> uh, you know, I would love to hear the stories. Uh, because uh, at the end of the day, you're, when you're blogging, you're not writing to the millions of people, the millions of people, or the thousands of people. You're really writing to that one person on the other side of the screen. So do you have some amazing yeah. stories, testimonies of uh, women from around the world who actually left as inspiration from your blog? Yeah, I mean, that is really lovely, actually. Like, you know, I would get emails from women and they, they will tell me that they've kind of taken this step, that they've booked this holiday, that they've changed their career completely to teaching English. And that that is where like the magic happens in those emails. And 
it, yeah, it, I guess it kind of gives you some um, some uh, food for thought that oh, okay, <laughs> like people are finding it useful. Um, yeah, I, even guys actually, I have to say, um, because I'm probably doing stuff that you know the guys want to do as well. In terms of my readership, like eighty percent are female, straight up. You know, I, I I write like I'm speaking to a woman, etc. But I know guys find it really useful too. And uh, I'm currently um, in Chiang Mai, Thailand, and I just met my friend Bob, who um, read my blog. He really liked it, and he's just turned up in Thailand to teach English now. And he was, you know, back in America doing like corporate job and stuff. So it's good. Yeah, it's really good to see that change in people. It's really good. Awesome. I love hearing about those kind of stories. You know, that makes it all worthwhile. Um, so uh, tell us about um, uh, your own journeys as a solo female traveler um, in terms of uh, uh, kind of the, the good things, but also maybe some of the struggles. Uh, you mentioned you've gone to like heavily Muslim areas. You've done crazy rallies around the world. Uh, what are some of your major struggles that you face uh, that maybe like a male like myself or a family or a couple wouldn't face? So what challenges do you face in particular? Um, I mean, it, it's internal and external, I think. And um, I mean, so I would I would say that solo female travel isn't easy. I, I women aren't stupid. I know they, they go out knowing that like they know it's going to be a challenge. So like some of the best things about it is that you learn about yourself, you know, you become a better person because what you need and you want and you know you just learn what you're capable of and that's really really lovely and I love that about solo female travel when I look at myself started to now I've just grown so much and I just I feel more confident I'm more assertive like I know myself and I know what I want in life and that's just a lovely gift that travel has given me but on the on the other flip side of the coin it has not been easy like like crazy stuff has happened when when i um so when i left korea yeah when i left korea i came i came to chiang mai thailand and i did my teaching course to um you know really that was my focus at the time and i got pregnant i got accidentally pregnant and i had to go through like an abortion and i was in thailand at the time so i you know i couldn't do it here and i had to go to cambodia by myself and i had to kind of live with that experience and obviously i still live with it now um i, I did the right thing I, I know i made the right decision but coping with that uh, with yourself as a woman on the road is really really tough and yeah i was on the road for a year it was a terrible year actually um, and it, it basically got to the point where I was in Vietnam um, and I had like the contraceptive implant in my arm and it broke I just I could I just could not believe my bad luck in this it broke in my arm and I was <laughs> I was in Vietnam just lying on the table they're trying to cut my arm open basically just to get this thing out and I just thought I want my mom do you know what I mean I just I was started crying I just thought I want my mom so bad and I just put to flight home like you know there, there comes a point where you do I think you do need to sometimes say no this is too much and I went home I got the support from my family and my friends and then within a couple of months I was back out on the road you know but I just needed that break so but bad stuff will happen as well but 
I mean, it's so cliche, but you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? Like you, you learn from these experiences and you just become a confident person. So it's been highs and lows, let me tell you. <laughs> but I, I don't regret anything. You know, it's, um, it's a part of my patchwork quilt and um, I own it, you know, so yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, thank you for sharing so openly because, um, you know, on social media, on your blog, on Instagram, you usually see the good stuff. Uh, you don't hear, like, the story you mentioned about having abortion on the road and uh, feeling like I just want to give up and fly home. And that is very much a reality of travel. We all feel that uh, to different degrees, maybe when the money's tight or maybe when the culture differences are too strong and you're just like, ah, you know, like, for example, I'm here in Colombia and I don't know Spanish and it's so tough. Um, you know, obviously traveling South America with no Spanish. So it's my fault, um, you know, obviously for not learning Spanish. But at the same time, it's frustrating. Um, uh, you kind of wish, okay, I wish I could implant, you mentioned implant, but I wish I could implant Spanish in my brain and all of a sudden I'd be fluent and be able to talk with the locals. Uh, so there are challenges on the road. And, and with your family, like, how is that? I'm just wondering, you know, because obviously you've got your little kids, right? Like, is it okay, going okay not being able to speak the language? Um, yeah, you know, that's a great question. Um, at the end of the day, I feel uh, you can travel anywhere in the world um, through body language and hand gestures alone. Um, you know, like um, you just figure out a way to ask for things by, uh, uh, by mimicking I'm hungry or I need to go to the washroom or, um, you know, money. Like there are definitely hand gestures you can use. Uh, like we've traveled a lot. Like I've been to 68 countries on six continents and, you know, like uh, I've traveled like, you know, you mentioned China. And that was probably one of the hardest countries to travel without any Mandarin uh, because I couldn't really, I couldn't even read the menu. At least here in Latin America, I can read the menu because it's in uh, English characters. Uh, but, but if you can't even read the characters, it's tough. So uh, it's definitely a, a challenging. My wife's actually um, um, uh, Filipino. Uh, and uh, for those of you who don't know, Philippines was a Spanish colony. So they actually have a lot of Spanish in their language called Tagalog. So she's actually the one who communicates the most and I'm kind of like straggling behind uh, using my Google Translate and we're actually getting, uh, we're here in Medellin, uh, so we're actually getting some private lessons and it's pretty reasonable, it's about 10, 10 US dollars an hour for a guy who actually come to, he, we actually had one today, it's funny you asked me about that because uh, today a guy came over to our place, we're actually in a condo uh, in Medellin, Colombia and uh, he came over, you know, uh, taught us for about an hour and only charged us 10 bucks. I was like, are you sure you don't want more money? You've actually come out of your way, come here, taught us, and you're leaving, and you only want 10 bucks. So, but, but for them, it's good money, and, uh, um, you know, like, it's a good living for them, and they like it. So, um, you know, it's a win-win. For us, it's a reasonable, reasonable price. Um, actually, it's a cheap price for a one-hour tutoring, uh, especially since they're coming here. We don't have to go meet them. Uh, so those are some of the stuff we're doing. Um, and I can imagine, I mean, you mentioned you were teaching English in Korea and in China. I actually taught English in Japan. Um, you probably had those similar problems. In Korea, uh, they speak a little bit better English than in China. China was actually really tough. Uh, so walk us through what you did. I mean, I shared a little bit about what we're doing. What did you do in those countries? Exactly. I think that's a big concern for a lot of travelers. Like, you know, how the hell am I going to communicate? I mean, you're right, like at the end of the day, we're just human, right? If I'm in the restaurant, I'm clearly hungry and I want to eat. So like, you know, it, body language is just priceless. Like you, you, will, you will get around very easily, I, I believe, you know? Um, yeah, Korea and China. Korea was um, 
like a bit of a nice baby step for me because I went there with a program. So, you know, they, they, they looked after me very well. Like I had lessons, I had teachers that spoke English perfectly. So it was like a nice gentle introduction to living in another culture. Um, and with China, I, I had lessons profusely. You know, I, I tried to study and study because I was living in Shanghai it's okay but still like tons of people don't speak English fair enough and then if you really want to go out into the country which is what I wanted to do you got to, you know I think you got you got to learn something just to get into that culture because I really wanted to know about like Chinese culture and in Shanghai I was not getting that fix you know I was like I've got I've got to learn some language to like get in there you know <laughs> And it, and it really, really helps that um, you're right, like body language, it's priceless, like you will be okay, definitely, yeah. Uh, so Alice, uh, you know, one of the major questions that people have when they see us on social media and blogging is, how do you guys make money while traveling the world? How do you actually fund it? Did you guys win the lottery? Uh, did, you, uh, <laughs> did, did you get an inheritance from mom and dad? Uh, you, you know, like, uh, tell us about uh, some of the ways you both make money and save money. Okay, um, I would still say that I am a bit of a newbie businesswoman. Um, like I, even though the blog has been going for about two and a half years now, I would say only when I got back from the Mongol Rally, which was yeah, which was about six months ago, did I actually really get serious about making money. Because before that, I was living off my uh, English wages. Right, I'd always taught English, and I was living. I had a lot of money in the bank. That's how I saved my money and I was living off it. So I didn't really have any motivation to make more money because I was like, I'm just going to travel, blah, 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 blah. But when I got back from the Mongol rally, I was broke. And I was like, okay, like I really, I'm going to make this a business now and you know how to do it. So it's only been six months, mind you. But I have to say in those six months, it has been very good. Um, the majority of my money comes from working with brands. So um, they will kind of approach me and they say that they want um, like a, a video. Video has been very good for me, I have to say. Like a lot of, of my money comes from making videos um, and also the blog posts. So this is the majority. Um, like using uh, my brand to kind of promote their brands, um, we're a good match and it just makes sense. Most money. There's so many other avenues that I'm starting to explore, like affiliate sales, that's starting to kick off. Um, I also do a lot of um, freelance writing for other people um, and kind of expert takes for other companies if they want some particular advice about solo female travel, then I write about that. But so far, that is all. And I, I am excited <laughs> because I know there's just so many other to put my eggs in. Um, Email marketing is definitely one that I, I, I need to do. Um, and I really want to use my knowledge to like make some ebooks and products and stuff. So we're, we're kind of at the bottom of the mountain, Ricky. I've got, there's, a, there's a lot that I still need to climb and work on. So still, still getting there, yeah. And it has been quite hard to be a businesswoman because I've always been that kind of arty, creative type, like, yeah, man, whatever. And now I'm suddenly like, okay, I need to really like pull my pants up and, and actually learn to negotiate and because uh, yeah, otherwise you're not gonna you're not gonna put bread on the table. So 
yeah it's a learning curve for sure but it's getting better <laughs> yeah you know, uh, you know obviously it takes time um, I've interviewed about 40 or 50 different travel bloggers on the show and uh, it takes time and it also takes multiple streams of income uh, so you mentioned uh, some of the stuff yeah. you do uh, sponsored posts working with brands um, maybe some affiliate marketing advertising maybe creating your own products like an ebook or video course etc I actually had a chance to look at your blog before I interview and you had a really cool post about um, um, how to actually uh, make money using your leftover currency. So here I am actually in uh, Colombia and I actually have my, uh, if you're watching this, you see, this is a Colombian peso, so um, it's like 50 million <laughs> and it's actually only about 15 US dollars. Uh, this one's 20 million. Uh, this one's about um, 6 US dollars. Uh, 10,000 is about 3 US. 5,000 is about $1.50. This is about 70 cents. And this one's about 30 cents. <laughs> um, so it's kind of weird that they have all these bills. Wow. Uh, they have all these bills for really small dollar amounts. But actually, like this stuff actually can buy you um, things like uh, lollipops and candies and gum. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm actually curious, how can you make money using your leftover currency? Because this is something that all travelers have. You know, you go to the airport, you know, like, okay, I'm getting on the plane. I got to spend my money. Take my money, Starbucks. So take my money, uh, you know, vending machine. Um, so tell us about how you can make money using your leftover currency. Um, so, I mean, people are clever, like they're starting to clock on obviously that travel is booming and a lot of businesses are coming out of that. So there is actually a company, if you check out that article, they, they will take this money um, and you and just convert whatever you want. Does that really, because it, it is just so frustrating and I, I know with this company that people have literally dug out coins right from the bottom of their drawer and you know stuff and they've they've made a good amount of money back. So it's definitely possible. And I, I love this. It's always just new businesses coming up to make travel easier. Um and yeah, it's a it's a great idea, I think. It's as simple as that. If you get if you look up their website, then you can uh, basically ca cash it in. But um what I do love as well is like there's other companies coming up where you can donate this money directly to charity and that's always really good um, but yeah if not <laughs> go buy a coffee <laughs> but um, it works essentially. Um, yeah that's a, a great article I'll actually have the link below because it's uh, out of all my interviews I've done about 180 of them I actually never heard of the site until now you're the first one yeah. uh, who have actually uh, let me know about it so thanks for that new Nugget of wisdom. <laughs> You're so welcome. Uh, so uh, you obviously an uh, expert in there of teaching English as well. You've taught around the world. Um, and I, I think that's a great way to actually get your feet wet uh, by working overseas. I, I did it, as I mentioned, in Japan. Uh, you've done it in several different countries. So walk us through some of the places you taught. Um, how did you set up those uh, assignments? Was it um, kind of like um, back in the UK, you did it online or Walk us through the journey of the different teaching English positions you've had. Um, so I taught first in South Korea and I would say I approached that like any newbie teacher would. So I did my TEFL online, which is always a good, a good place to start. And I got that job online. Everything was arranged um, via email and then phone calls and like the whole interview process, et cetera. Like I literally had my flight booked by them. Um, they met me at the airport. So it was very much step by step by step. Um, 
I have found though, um, like once you've kind of done that and, and you know, you kind of learn how the ropes work, to get the best jobs abroad, it's actually better just to fly to the country that you want to go to and you just, you just negotiate on the ground. Because the best, let's face it, the best jobs are not online. The best jobs are the jobs that your friends know, that their connections know. And this is how I approached it in China. On the ground, um, I just started speaking to people, I spoke to friends, and I, I bagged an excellent job with you know excellent money that just wasn't advertised anywhere. And I think that's how, how to do it. Once you're confident, in just turning up to a country and doing it yourself, you will reap the rewards definitely. Um, and this, I, I taught in South Korea, I taught in China, I did the same in Vietnam, I just like walked on the ground and found a job there, um, and the same in Thailand. So this is the way to go. And uh, you know, I actually want to echo your sentiments there. Uh, the first time I ever taught English abroad was in uh, Japan, in Tokyo, and I worked for a company called Nova. And uh, some of you uh, who might be listening or watching will probably know the company is a major um, company to teach English, and they bring literally thousands of uh, uh, gaijin. They call it gaijin, which is a uh, foreigner. They bring thousands of gaijin from around the world, especially like UK, Canada, US, Australia, New Zealand, all the English-speaking countries. And um, they basically treat you very crappy. They, they make you work like crazy. Uh, they don't train you very well. And uh, you basically, uh, you still get good money, but, but, but you, I kind of felt like I was a, a cog in a machine. Um, so I ended up quitting. Uh, within about two months, uh, I had a three-year Japanese visa because that's the one they gave me. And I didn't like the company at all. Uh, no offense to anyone working for the company, but I didn't like it personally. Uh, so actually I quit it and then I went to Osaka uh, moved from Tokyo to Osaka on the Shinkansen and when I got to Osaka I just ended up finding my own jobs and I actually worked for another company called Berlitz and uh, you know double thumbs up for Berlitz it was amazing and I just found it when I got there um, you know I think I looked in the local um, Gaijin classified the foreigner classifieds and I was able to get an amazing job and I stuck around there and I was super happy so I definitely want to echo what you just said about uh, get to the country find a job when you're there um, so, Alice, um, you know, to end off here, uh, what is your vision for your future? You've uh, obviously uh, traveled the world, you, uh, uh, you've built up a successful blog, inspired women to travel, taught English around the world, etc. Uh, what's next? Tell us about the next few months, years and beyond. Um, so, I'm super, super excited because we touched on India earlier. I'm actually going to go back there in, um, yeah, oh my gosh, in like four weeks. So um, I'm going to be spending two weeks out there around the Golden Triangle. I'm going to be working in a lot of women empowerment projects. So I'm super excited about that. Um, and I know after those two weeks, I'm probably going to stay in India, just go about myself. I've got no plan whatsoever. I don't know if it's OK to not have a plan in India. Who knows? But I'm just going <laughs> to stay there as long as my visa allows it. I'm going to see what's going down. I might pop over. To Bangladesh again because it's been two years I want to see what's going down there um, and that literally is it I, I kind of I am very much a, a person who will um, you know in, invite what kind of comes my way I don't like to plan too much and um, I just like to see what opportunities come up I mean the only other solid plan that I have um, is a trip to Pakistan which is going to happen in September next year. And I'm really, really, really excited about this too. Um, 
but um yeah apart from that who knows who knows what life will bring we will see so <laughs> yeah i think the more you travel uh, the more spontaneous and the more uh, unprepared you just go there because you don't need to prepare because you feel you, you build up your travel muscle you get more confident you have the right mindset and uh, it's actually better that way in, in some sense of the word because then you have the fluidity and the flexibility to do what you want, when you want, where you want, how you want for as long as you want. So, uh, yeah, definitely, um, you know, I agree with you there again. Mm. I mean, I, and, and this is just kind of, um, I guess, a bit of an internal thing with me, right? I know a lot of travel bloggers because, you know, we are a business and I know a lot of people will literally plan like their whole year ahead. Um, you know, they're like, I'm going to be going here in September and here in November and here in December. But I'm not quite in that flow yet. I don't know if I want to do that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that's the way forward for me personally, but we'll see. <laughs> so to end off here, Alice, they, they might be someone who's actually watching this interview on YouTube or listening to it on iTunes or one of the podcast records, and they're wondering, you know, they, maybe they're a little bit envious. They're like, hey, this chick from England, you know, from UK, she's traveling around the world. Um, she's flying around in a tea, tea cake. And I want to do the same. I want to actually travel as well. And I don't know where to start. Uh, what would you tell that person who's watching, listening right now? Besides the Nike slogan, I've heard the Nike slogan, just do it. Uh, but besides that, what tips or advice would you, give, would you give to that woman on the other side of the earphones, on the other side of the computer screen? Mm, I think, I think. The hardest step is to actually just take the first step. I think people really dream and they, you know, imagine this, but a lot of people never actually play the mental to the physical step. You, you will ever, ever manage it is to literally just step out your front door, and it doesn't have to be massive. You know, I'm when I when I first started traveling solo, I was started traveling solo in Korea right because my hand was held step by step but when I was in Korea I said to myself I wonder if I can spend a week by myself in Seoul like no one else is telling me where to go I'm just going to go there by myself and do what I want and that was my first step I mean, I mean it is a lot to leave England and go to Korea but truly for me it was like right can I can I do this and I did I just I took the train and I went to Seoul and that was a big step for me. So you just have to take the first step and then I promise you everything else will start to, to materialize how you hoped and dreamed. <laughs> I love it, I love it. And uh, you know, uh, as you were saying that, I, I pulled it up there if uh, people can see. Yes. The journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Absolutely. There we go. Who said that? Yeah. I'm famous. <laughs> Maybe I stole it from them. <laughs> you stole it. You stole it from the Chinese philosopher. Yes. Well, there we go. Not bad at all. <laughs> so, Alice, uh, you know, uh, to end off here, um, you've definitely been inspiring uh, to uh, to myself, you know, to all of our listeners and viewers. How can people connect with you, uh, read uh, the TK Travel, uh, Travels website, uh, follow you on your different social media platforms, and uh, get inspired? How can they do that? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm literally pretty much everywhere. Um, you should go to the blog first. That's the best place to start. And then from there, you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest. Um, all means, if you actually just want to pop me an email, 
You are so welcome. That is no problem. It's Alice Tea Cake at teacaketravels.com. Pop me an email, say hi. I'd be very glad to say hello back and answer any questions you've got. Sounds good. And uh, definitely tell them you found uh, you found out about Alice on our show. Uh, you know, we always like to see the results of what we do as well. Uh, we love to hear the stories about, I listen to your podcast. I watched you guys on YouTube and now I'm traveling the world. Or, uh, you know, I, I love this Alice girl and uh, she's so inspiring. So now I'm uh, going to contact her. Um, so, you know, if you are a solo female, maybe in your home country, thinking about traveling, it is possible. You know, if you... Uh, connect with someone like Alice, she's traveling around the world, making her travel dreams come true, and at the same time, she's making an income while doing so. So, there are no excuses, are they? <laughs> it's all good, it's all good. <laughs> good life, good life. <laughs> yeah. So, there are no excuses, and uh, you know, uh, just like the Nike slogan says, just do it, <laughs> and uh, just like Lauza says, uh, the journey of a million miles starts with that single step. Uh, so let us know what single step are you going to make. Let us know on our iTunes. Uh, uh, leave us a comment on YouTube. We also have an active uh, Facebook community called Digital Nomad Mastery Community. So if you're thinking of uh, being a digital nomad, if you're aspiring or brand new, uh, let us know what your first step is. Uh, so thanks again, Alice, for your time. And uh, enjoy Thailand and enjoy India in the next few weeks. And we'll catch up with you soon. Thank you so much. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, uh, thanks again. Uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in to this uh, episode of Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the videocast where we teach you how to make an income while traveling the world.